narayanam namaskritya naram chaiva narottamam devim sarasatim vyasam canto 9 chapter 5 durvasa muni's life spared translation after one year when durvasa muni had returned king ambarisha sumptuously fed him all varieties of pure food and then he himself also ate. When the king saw that the Brahmana Durvasa had been released from the great danger of being burned, he could understand that by the grace of the Lord he himself was also powerful. But he did not take any credit, for everything had been done by the Lord. Srila Prabhupada's purport. A devotee like Maharaj Ambarisha is certainly always busy in many activities. Of course, this material world is full of dangers that one has to meet. But a devotee, because of his full dependence on the Supreme Personality of God, it is never disturbed. The vivid example is Maharaj Ambarisha. He was the emperor of the entire world and had many duties to perform. And in the course of these duties, there were many disturbances created by persons like Durvasa Muni. But the king tolerated everything patiently depending fully on the mercy of the Lord. The Lord, however, is situated in everyone's heart. And he manages things as he desires. Thus, although Maharaj Ambrisha was faced with many disturbances, the Lord, being merciful to him, managed things so nicely that in the end, Durvasa Muni and Maharaj Ambarisha became great friends and parted cordially on the basis of bhakti yoga. After all, Durvasa Muni was convinced of the power of bhakti yoga, although he himself was a great mystic yogi. Therefore, as stated by Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita 647, Of all yogis, he who always abides in me with great faith, worshipping me in transcendental loving service, is most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. Thus it is a fact that a devotee is the topmost yogi as proved in the dealings of Maharaj Ambarisha with, with Durvasa Muni. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun militam nena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manohishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadahmayam Dadati Swakadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Sri Uta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Bitam Tam Sajivam Sadvetam Sadvatutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam 
Sahagana Ladita, Shiri Shakam Vitamscha, He Krishna Karuna Sindo, Dinabando Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostute, Tapta Kanchana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshwari, Rishabhadu Sute Devi, Pranamani Hari Priye, Vansha Kalpatru Vyascha, Kripa Sandhu Pyevacha, Patikaram Bhavanevyo, Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha, Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Radhara, Shri Vasadi Gauravata Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Kateta Durvasa Sisambarisho, Vijopayo Gati Pavitram Aharat, Prashir Vimoksham Vyasanam Chaviksha, Mene Swamiryam Chaparan Bhavam. After one year, when Durvasamuni had returned, King Ambarish sumptuously fed him all varieties of pure food, and then he himself also ate. When the king saw that the Brahmana Durvasa had been released from the great danger of being burned, he could understand that by the grace of the Lord he himself was also powerful, but he did not take any credit for everything had been done by the Lord. So Prabhupada first speaks a, about the character of Maharaj Ambarish and mentions that he was an emperor, therefore it's assumed that there are many problems. Most problems come from people not cooperating or giving different opinions in various ways. And Marajan Barish was able to maintain equilibrium even while managing the entire kingdom. And not the least of which was meeting Durvasamuni and in taking the insults that he gave in stride without becoming upset. He just remained patient. So this is a, a shakti or an, an empowered position in the Bhagavad Gita Krishna says shaknoti hai vyashodhum praksharira vimukshana kama krodod bhavam begam sayukta sa sukhinara That's if before leaving the body one is able to overcome the urges of anger and desire and such a person is a sukhinara, or a happy human. And this is the trademark of, of a devotee. And Krishna mentions in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita various qualities in devotees that he most admires. And prominent among them is the quality of being equipoised, even as there are causes for being disturbed, the devotee remains equal. So that's apparent in the story of Ambarish and Durvasamuni. As Prabhu 
Hansa Rupa mentioned yesterday in his class, Durvasamuni is noted for challenging people wherever he goes. He's a sort of um, outrageous character that we find. He's a partial manifestation of Lord Shiva, who was born, so to speak, from Atri Rishi and Anasuya. Actually, it's kind of a long story how he was born. But in the, throughout the, the various yugas, Satya, Treta, Dvapara, and Kali, there are Mention, there is mention of Durvasa Muni, who tends to challenge people's patience quite a bit. And one of the things I noted in looking into Durvasa Muni is that he eats a lot and demands uh, to eat. Uh, and in this case, the quibble was about uh, Maharaj Ambarish eating, so-called eating, before he did, although all he did was take a little water. So then Prabhupada mentions that the reason that the, the king was successful, that is Maharaj Ambarish, was he depended on the mercy of the Lord, who is situated within everyone's heart and who manages things as he desires, Prabhupada's words. And this is the conviction of the devotee that whatever is happening to him or her in life is a result of the Lord's mercy. Goswami mentions, uh, Brahma rather, mentions that the devotee's quintess the quintessential attitude of the devotee is that he accepts whatever happens to him or her as a uh, gesture from the Lord for purification and he understands that the Lord's my well-wisher and therefore he's arranging everything so that I can become purified and one who maintains such a an attitude Brahma says is eligible to go back home back to Godhead so really this dependence on the Lord's mercy in fact so much so that Prabhupada, in reference to the verse Tate Anukampam Susumikshamano, in another section of the Bhagavatam, mentions that if one is able to accept punishment as the reward of the master, then such a person will be able to take the lesson from that punishment and become advanced. And this is only possible if one is depending on the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God, as was Durvasamuni. Then, Srila Prabhupada mentions that Durvasamuni became aware of the superiority of bhakti, because he saw that although Ambarish was a bhakti yogi, apparently an insignificant person in the eyes of Durvasamuni at the time of the altercation, Durvasa thinking that this person is a grahasta, he's a worldly person, he's engaged in managing a kingdom and so forth. How dare he take a superior position to me by drinking water before I was able to take my food? And 
then at the end he saw how powerful uh, was Ambarish Maharaj because of his full dependence on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And this uh, internal fortitude of any person to be able to simply depend on Krishna is the ultimate uh, source of strength and it is also the essential point of devotional service. Whatever one is externally is irrelevant. However, if one in one's heart of hearts is determined to take shelter of the Lord and simply depend on His mercy, then such a person is uh, a great devotee. And, as Prophet writes in the seventh canto, whatever one's intention is will be revealed in due course of time. So it's so important what one's intention is because Krishna witnesses that. Others may not see it at first, but if one keeps within one's heart the intention to surrender to Krishna, and Prabhupada mentions this in the Bhagavad Gita in the third chapter, 31st verse, in the purport, Prabhupada says that Although some people write great commentaries or what they think are great commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita because they have no faith in Krishna, their commentaries are useless and they'll never attain Krishna. However, a simple person who has faith in Krishna's instructions and faith that Krishna is adjusting everything in his or her life uh, according to uh, the way that, uh, in a way that will help um, that, that devotee to advance, then even if the devotee at the time is not able to follow strictly all of the injunctions of the Lord and doesn't become disturbed by the fact that he or she can't, can't do it at the time, it has that intention and determination, then such a person, Prabhupada says, will be successful in the practice of devotional service. So the devotees um, take this path which is seemingly simple but it's the fulcrum of power and that is that they decide do the devotees that they will surrender to Krishna in all circumstances to the best of their ability and take shelter of him through the process of devotional service through the various changes in their lives without becoming disturbed or panicking but just going through and depending on the mercy of, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So then Prabhupada finally uh, brings out the point and supports it with a verse from the Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna says, Yoginam api sarvesha matgatanan taratmana shadhavan vajateyo mam sami yukta tamo mataha a verse often quoted by Prabhupada throughout all his commentaries which is the last verse in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita in which Krishna says at the end of describing Jnana Yoga that the best yogi is the one who has full faith in me and takes shelter of me and this is the highest method of devotional service is taking complete shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and following the footsteps, therefore, of 
his uh, devotees and the great acharyas. This, this is the definite path to success. And even if one is an insignificant person, this is a theme that comes out throughout the Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita, Mamhi Partya Pipashrita Yepi Su Papayonaya, Striovaishas Tata Shudras, Tepiyanti Parangatim, throughout uh, whatever um, lowly position uh, one may appear to be in, in, in human society and social context, if such a person has the intention to surrender to Krishna, then they'll be successful, Krishna says. And throughout the Bhagavatam, for instance, in Prahlad Maharaj's prayers, Dvishad, Viprad Dvishad Gunanitaravindanava, Padaravinda Vimukhatsvapasha, Svapachan Varishtam, Manye Chadarpitamano, Vachanehitarta, Pranam Punati Sakulam Natubudimanaha. Prahlad Maharaj, when he's offering prayers to Lord Nishingadev, he was induced to offer prayers because all the demigods had offered their prayers and they didn't satisfy the Lord. He was still very angry. So they pushed Prahlad forward and said, you try. He came for you. And Prahlad then ruminates. He says, all these demigods, they're in the mode of goodness. I'm born in a demoniac family. They know Sanskrit. I don't know anything. I'm a kid. They're very mature. What can I do? And then he remembered Gajendra. And he said, He remembered the king of the elephants. He said, Gajendra, he was an animal, but he offered sincere prayers to the Supreme Personality of God, and therefore he satisfied the Lord. Then he goes on to say that if, if a person is just sincere and he's a, from a low family, in the verse I just quoted before the last one was, there's a way in which a greatly learned Brahmin, scholarly, has all the qualities of a Brahmin, but is not a devotee of the Supreme Personality of God. It isn't sincerely attached to surrendering to the Lord. He's not better off than a, a dog eater. He comes from a very low position, but is fully surrendered to the Supreme Personality of God. It, that surrendered person will be able to purify not only himself but also his family members and so forth. And this is amply supported elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, for instance, Devahuti, Aho Bhata Shwa Pachato Garyanya Jiva Gre Bartate Namatubyam, Tepusta Pasteju Huvusasna Arya, Brahmana Charnamagranati Ete. How wonderful it is that a person even from a low background, if that person utters the holy name even one time, the tip of his tongue. It's known that such a person is qualified to perform Vedic sacrifices. In other words, becomes transformed by the touch of the Lord. Anyway, there's more evidence we could go into for that particular point. But to summarize, there's in this verse, in the context of the story, Durvasamuni is noticing the superiority of the practice of Maharaj Ambarish because he was basically um, really publicly defeated uh, by just a, a simple person who just was taking shelter of the Lord. 
And Maharaj Ambarish is also noticing that, oh, this just happened. I, <laughs> I overcame this great obstacle. And at the same time, he doesn't uh, feel uh, that he, he's not conceited by that. He feels that it's, it's the Lord's mercy. He's arranging everything. So it's the ideal position of, of the devotee. And the fact that, uh, just a little support about the fact that everything that's necessary comes to the pure devotee, the person who's, or the person who's following pure devotees and following the direct process of devotional service. 11th Canto of Srimad Bhagavatam Havi Yogendra says that the direct process of bhakti is so powerful that even if one runs with eyes closed in the process, means you may not be a great Vedic scholar, but if you sincerely follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas and you perform the direct process of devotional service, then you won't trip and fall. In other words, he says, you can run with eyes closed, but you won't trip and fall on the path of devotional service. Because the, the direct process of devotional service, surrendering to the Lord through the ninefold process of Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, etc., is so powerful, one will definitely attain success. And uh, meanwhile, the Bhagavatam points out here and there that there are concomitant benefits to performing direct devotional service. For instance, Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita When one performs devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God, then naturally one gets knowledge and detachment from the world. It comes, these come as concomitants. And there's plenty more to support that position also. So, I'll just make a couple more points and we'll take reflections or questions to expand the topic and the conversation. But the implication here is, and as given, as expanded throughout the teachings of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, one should take shelter of the simple process of bhakti. And the essence of that is to follow in the footsteps of the great devotees, and in our line particularly the the uh, residents of Rajadam, for instance, um, as mentioned in the Upadeshamrita, Tanama Rupa Charitari Sikir Tananu Smrityo Karmena Rasanam and Asini Yoja, Tishtam Vraje Tananuragi Jananugami, Kalam Nayera Kilam Ityupadesha Sara. Rupa Goswami says the essence of all advice is that one should use one's full time to hear, chant, and remember the Lord. And one should endeavor to follow in the footsteps of the eternal associates of the Lord in Vrindavan. Tishan Vraje Tananuragi Jananugami. In that way, one will, by that following process, one will come to, the, to reside in, in Sri Vrindavan Dham. Very practically, those who are devotees of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, who serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's lotus feet, especially by adhering to his order to spread the Krishna conscious movement all over the world, are essentially uh, serving or following in the footsteps in the most uh, effective way. Yata Yata Gora Padaravinde Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur points out in Chaitanya Chandamrita that 
If you serve the lotus feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then naturally you'll come to develop love for Radha and Krishna within your heart. And furthermore, in the Navadit Dharma Mahatmya, Bhaktivinoda Thakur points out that anyone who serves Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Dasyaras, doing menial service to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that person will naturally come to the position of spontaneous love for Krishna. And it is, it's taken that such a person is properly situated for coming to the point of spontaneous devotional service. There's more to say about that also, but I, I want to save time for discussion. So uh, now we'll take some reflections. Reflections are easier than questions. Reflections means just something you heard so far from the verse, purport, or monologue that's stuck in your mind that you think will amplify a point that's important. And a question means something that will help to expand the, the, the conversation in the context of what we're talking about, if you don't mind. Havi Prabhu. Oh, here comes the microphone. It will be to you in seven seconds or closing the door like that and you know you know what never know what it'll lead to and regarding Durvasamuni he comes he comes from from Rudra there's a principle spoken about in the Bhagavatam the, the Rudra principle it's fiery the, there are certain characteristics and and Durvasa has those and throughout the various leelas that he's involved in it adds a lot of color there's uh, any uh, drama is interesting because of the characters and Durvasa brings out the this kind of outrageousness that everyone's looking for in a character he said what why do you do that and and so uh, he's a great soul actually very great soul but but it's it's the way that, that these leelas unfold um, and that make them interesting in fact living entities all have various qualities and they're all unique in their own way it's an obvious point but as far as him being a great mystic and he should have known better like why wasn't he able to control his senses one of the points Prabhupada's making here is that ultimately unless you really have this uh, surrendered heart to the Supreme Personality of God there can be a tinge of Ishwara Bhav in fact, Prabhupada mentions that, that all the controllers, because of their position, they sometimes forget, even Brahma, thinking like, are you sure this, is, this coward boy is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? And there's a, there's a tendency when one develops a kind of, uh, develops power by one's own practice, uh, or is dip, dip, uh, seeing that through one's own discipline, one has achieved uh, such powers, 
then one can become a little bit uh, taken, by, taken away by that, carried away by that. And that's the case of, of Durvasamuni and mystic yogis versus bhaktas who don't depend on their own acumen, but they put themselves in a, a, in a position of helplessness and simply depend on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anyway, obvious points, but thank you for bringing it up. Yes, Prabhu. For the category of, of living entity that we are, we're fully dependent on our association. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, if you want to know how you got to where you are right now, look no further than your previous associations. Purusha prakriti stohi bhumte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasango sya sarasadhyoni janmasu. Whatever mess you're in now, little jiva, you did it because you were hanging around with certain kinds of people. And if you want to know how to uh, become advanced or to become uh, steady, then the answer again is association. If you associate with those who are strong in devotional service, then you'll become strong. And if you associate with people who um, have an ulterior motive, that may rub off on you. It's a way in which in the early days before matches and Zippo lighters, there was, uh, people would keep a stove burning in their house. It's hard to light a fire, so during the winter time they keep the stove going. But in some unfortunate circumstance, if your fire went out completely and you couldn't rekindle it, rather than going and starting or, or staying in and trying to start your fire again, you could go to a neighbor and there was a little tin box you could bring over and some, you'd ask for a coal. You'd put a glowing coal in the box, bring it back, and then restart your fire. So association with devotees is like that also. We find, I mean, sometimes when I'm traveling, I go long distance, and then just the environment of the airplane, the airports, and everything like that can be very oppressive and draining. And I'm thinking, like, uh, where am I? Who am I? <laughs> and then I'll get to a temple somewhere and walk in the door, and you, you smell that incense, and somebody's making a chance in the back room, and you know, you see all the telltale signs of a Iskan temple, and then all of a sudden in your heart you feel like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm back home again. We need the environment. It's important. You've got to have that environment, and you have to have association with devotees. Otherwise, it's impossible to advance in devotional service. That's the sum and substance of the practice of devotional service. And when asked about this, what is a devotee? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Asa Sangha Tyagi Vaishnavachar. A devotee is one who avoids bad association. Uh, yeah, Vijitapa and then Panchagoda. Vij has his hand up for a half hour. Mother Yashoda has Radharani cooked for Krishna every day. She was blessed by the Rasa Guru. Whatever she cooked, it tastes like anger. 
You have to move that mic down just a little bit underneath your mouth. Move it along. Move the mic down from your chin. Yeah. Thank you. Move it along, Mark. Yes. And also, operations uh, Emperor, uh, they had a different conception of Emperor than what we think of. Uh, is it the Emperor's like Lucifer or Grecia? I didn't catch the second point, I'm sorry. I could barely hear what you were saying. When they had different emperors, like Mars, Grisha, or Mars, Yushtir, or Ron, they had separate kingdoms, separate political and religious affiliations. They would pay homage to the emperor. gets hammered. Prabhupada mentions that when a materialistic person appears to be uh, sailing along if, with a uh, happy life, that's in the context of Lord Nishingade fighting with, with Hiranyakashipu and you know, when he let him go, all the demigods say, oh no, maybe he won't win. And at that time Prabhupada mentions sometimes the, the materialistic person looks like he's been given a pass. But in the case of Hiranyakashipu, Lord Nishingade was just playing with him like a cat plays with a mouse and grabbing him. So ultimately, everyone comes to the same end. As the great pundit uh, Mukunda Dato Prabhu said recently, uh, he said, well, everyone ends up in a hospital bed next to a beeping pole. <laughs> in any case, as far as devotees, they're, they're, um, the Bhagavatam mentions in, in various ways uh, how Krishna uh, treats his devotees. First I'll just tell a quick story. It happened in my house in California. I was out in the backyard gardening and I saw a little bird fly into the house. And birds don't belong in houses. It's the wild birds anyway. 
And then I went into Freedom, and I was in the kitchen, and I uh, opened the, one of the windows. It's an old house, and had wooden wind, wind double pane windows. And I opened it, and make a rattling sound, so the bird flew into the next room. So I went in there to free him again, and and he he looked at me with fear, and he flew into the next room. He was going throughout the whole house, and every room I was trying to save him by opening the windows, and. We went through the whole house. He finally got back into the kitchen where he had entered. And then he noticed that the window was open. And he looked at me with, as if to say, you tried to kill me, but I'm going to get free. I'm, I'm getting out of here. And he flew out. And I sat down a little bit emotionally exhausted. And I was thinking, that's me. Krishna's flinging open windows, saying, go out. And I'm saying, leave me alone. Don't try to kill me. I interpret it, whatever moves he makes in my life, because of my attachment. That I want it to go a certain way, but if, if, there's, if there's no attachment to my own plan, if I am actually surrendered to Krishna's plan, then where is the suffering ultimately? Nonetheless, it's there, uh, the suffering, that is. And devotees enter uh, the process of devotional service at various levels. So sometimes, People come, most of the time, people come to devotional service with some, some motivation or at least some last vestiges of attachment to the material world. Possible? Yes. Please say yes. yes. Thank you. So, uh, for instance, in fifth canto Bhagavatam, Satyam Dishati Artitam Artiton Drinam Naivartito Yad Swayam Vidate Bajatam Anichitam Ichapitaram Nijapadapalavam Satyam Dishuti Artito Artino Artito Rinam Naivartito Yad Swam Artito Yata. I'm mangling the verse, but it says if a person comes to Krishna and, and surrenders, but then starts asking for material benedictions, that Krishna will give the material benediction, but he does it in such a way that you won't ask for it anymore. Because <laughs> he's so expert. Because he knows the real uh, and the, the important point is the devotee wants to surrender to me. He should surrender to me. It's paraphrased in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of the Lord saying, this person may be a fool, but I'm not a fool. He's got a nectar glass and a poison glass. He's drinking from the poison. So I'm not going to give him to him. I'm, so, he changes it so that the person wants to take shelter of his lotus feet instead. And also, you'll find Panchagoda Prabhu in, the, in the, the commentary, as you know better than me, in 10.14.8, Tateyanu Kampam Susumikshamano Aracharyas of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur mentions that it may appear that the devotee is getting karma. But actually, he says, this is not karma, this is Krishna's mercy. Because Krishna understands that the devotee has some last vestiges of attachment to the material world. And therefore he's extremely expert at giving a, a remedy that's custom made for that devotee. In other words, it's a kind of suffering that only that devotee can appreciate <laughs> intensely. And, and it's meant so that he'll give up the last vestiges. There may be traces of attachment to the material world. And of course, um, this is Krishna's mercy 
even Parikshit Maharaj said it. The great Racharishi, when he was cursed by the Brahmin boy, he said, huh, finally, at last, thank you, Krishna. I wouldn't have done it myself. You pulled me out of this mess. It's such a, uh, uh, you need a little help. So Krishna gives us a little help. So it's just a matter of, of positioning oneself so that one can take advantage of these situations fully. And it's possible. I mean, I see devotees all the time who are so surrendered that whatever happens to them, it doesn't, they don't seem to, to notice it that much. Of course, there may be a, a sense of uh, loss or mourning, but they know how to process it immediately so that they're not, uh, they don't become victims and they also uh, don't become bitter or anything like that. One, two. Tapani Upanishad. It's a way in which the, the gopis went across the river to serve Dravasamuni, to bring him food. He likes food. Lots of food. So they want to bring him and, and then they, uh, they have to face the, the guy. How are they going to cross the Jamuna? So they ask Krishna, how do we get across to, to feed Dravasa, to do service for the sage? And Krishna says, when you go to the Jamuna, Say to the Jumuna, Krishna is a brahmachari. He never sees women, he never associates with women. And they're like, yeah, right. So they go to the Jumuna and they, they say, Krishna is a brahmachari. He never associates with women, he never uh, looks at women. And the Jumuna opens up and he walks across. Uh, they walk across. And they meet Durvasa, they serve him. And then uh, the Jumuna is still there, formidable to cross. So they ask Durvasa, uh, how do I cross? How are we going to get back again? He said, tell, say to the Jumuna that Durvasa never eats, never eats food. <laughs> so they go back to the Jumuna and they say, Durvasa never eats food. And the Jumuna opens up and they cross again. So this is given in the context of the otherworldliness of the activities that are going on in Vrindavan, among other things. And Durvasa is among those who are in the uh, Krishna Leela in that aspect. Mataji, way in the back. Raise your hand, microphone all the way back. And Hare Krishna, thank you for this class. You mentioned at the beginning of the class how everything is ultimately Krishna's arrangement and the devotee should see everything in that mood. Someone asked yesterday in this context also that this could be Krishna's arrangement towards someone's offense and ultimately is the mercy of Krishna. But we should also um, take responsibility of our activities. So what would be the line when we know that oh, should know better or simply what is happening is Krishna's mercy? Well, could you uh, rephrase the question in one sentence, please? What would be the line of 
We differentiate. This is my fault what's happened. And um, understanding that ultimately Krishna's mercy. Oh, well, I mean, early on, I didn't see it myself, but when I joined the temple in San Francisco in the 70s, there was a story looming large, and that was that somebody who was preparing the Charnamrita had put in salt instead of sugar. And that's, I mean, I don't know if this is uh, urban legend or not, but it, the, the instruction is sound and it persists to this day. There were, somebody had put salt instead of sugar in the Charnamrita. And then Prabhupada took Charnamrita and he tasted the salt. And he said, who has done this? And then the devotee allegedly said, uh, I did it, Prabhupada, I'm so sorry, it's Krishna's mercy. <laughs> and Prabhupada said, it's not, not Krishna's mercy, it's your foolishness. So a, a devotee doesn't um, do whimsical activities or uninformed or directed acti un undirected activities or make a mistake in doing those and then blame Krishna, say it's his mercy. That's, a, that's not a um, devotional uh, sentiment or, you know, and that is, uh, it, it's inaccurate. So there's a way in which, um, of course, we do the best we can with what we have and um, if we make a mistake, we, we blame ourselves just as much as there's uh, in, the sen in the sense of the verse whatever reaction is coming we also accept that this was because of my previous flailings in the material world so we don't, we don't put it back on Krishna however uh, whatever arrangement Krishna makes to purify us that uh, we take as his mercy and his arrangement and just the last point uh, connected to your question because I want to try to make it as complete as possible. There's a way in which um, there's, there's complete, um, ex Krishna accepts the sincerity of the devotee even if uh, he or she makes a mistake. As an example, 11th Canto Srimad Bhagavatam Sapadamulam Vajata Priyasya Tyaktanya Bhavasa Hare Kriyeshaha Vikarma Yashchot Patitam Katanchit Tuno Tisarvam Hridisani Vishta The verse says, somebody's performing devotional service and somehow or other they, they slip into vikarma. They do something completely off the devotional radar and it's uh, wrong. Then uh, the, the reformation is to continue doing devotional service because uh, Krishna has already entered the heart of the devotee, knows the intention of the devotee and will rectify the mistake from the heart of the devotee. So if you make mistakes if one makes a mistake, one should, as they say, own it, and then go on with one's practice of devotional service, and Krishna will help rectify the situation. Something. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Gopremanande, Nitai Gauda Haribo, 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 Nitai Gauda Haribo, Nitai Gauda Haribo. Hey!
Not to the arm, man. Not to the arm, man. Not to the arm, man. Not to the arm, man.